You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 36, a.k.a. Matt Zuccarello of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada, and once again joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing on this lovely Saturday afternoon, Durham? Oh, just been enjoying the weekend as much as I can. You know, Canada Day weekend here up uh, north of the border. You guys south of the border get your holiday on, uh, what, Monday? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Monday. So give me the weekend. It's been fucking yeah. fantastic here. How's it going for you over there? Oh, not too bad. And uh, yeah, a little shout out. Happy belated uh, Canada Day there. Uh, did you get into any festivities at all? I might have had a couple of pops with the boys. We went out Thursday night after pickup hockey there. Oh, that's pretty solid. Yeah, I didn't get up too much out here, to be honest. I was working yesterday, pretty long day. Uh, I was pretty be tired and uh, yeah, kind of living in the middle of nowhere. So not a whole lot to uh, to end up doing, but, you know, excited to have today off and, you know, get this podcast rolling again. It's been a little while, so pretty pumped to be talking about hockey once again with you, brother. I know it's been too long, right? Like, I think we missed it by a week there, but you know, a lot of hockey went down, a lot of shit behind the scenes too, a lot of coaches moving around. There's a lot to talk about. Oh, lots to talk about on this pod. I mean, we got to recap this Stanley Cup finals. You know, like you said, a lot of coach movements going on like crazy, maybe a record amount this summer. Um, and then, yeah, the off season just got to kick things off, you know, draft coming up in less than a week. And then, you know, a week after that, we're into free agency and man, I'm just super excited. I, I love this time of year. There's just so much going on and I just am always glued to my phone because of Twitter. I know exactly what you mean, especially like, well, you've had to deal with things being a Sens fan for the last 10 years. We won't get too much into that. We all know what we're talking about there, but I'm going through <laughs> it as a Pens fan right now. I related to the one tweet so hard I saw this morning. I forget who tweeted it, but it's one of the big uh, hockey anal- analytics guys on Twitter there. But he goes, the year is 2027, and every day since 2022, Malkin and Latang have still been trending on Twitter. 
Yeah, there's a lot going on there, eh? Rumors of Latang probably getting a deal done, but Malkin not being too too close there. So, you know, you know, some of the many rumors that are going around uh, right now on the the Twitter sphere. So we'll definitely be getting into some of that. But first things first, Durham. Let's just kick things off uh, where we left off last time, and and that's the Stanley Cup Finals because uh, we got to witness one of the best Stanley Cup Finals in recent memory for me, at least. What did you think, man? Man, I totally agreed. Like, unfortunately, I missed a couple games there. One uh, went to game seven of the OHL finals. Not a big deal. That was pretty sweet. So I missed game one, unfortunately, there. And But uh, I got to see most of the rest of the series, the next five games there, and it was fucking fantastic. Like, that was just two of the best teams, if not the two best teams in the NHL, going at each other for six rounds completely agree man and obviously colorado avalanche winning their third cup in franchise history beating that top team like you said the tampa bay lightning those back-to-back cup champs and beating them in six games man what an incredible run by the avs this this postseason you know they were eight eight and two record both at home and on the road during their 16 and four run to the cup that's pretty wild man they were doing it uh, wherever they played, it didn't matter. This team was absolutely on fire. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they had the same record as well, like eight and two, whether they scored first or got scored on first. So like you said, it did not matter for the Colorado Avalanche, whether they were on the road or at home, scored on or scoring first goal of the game, they were probably fucking winning it. Yeah, man. I And uh, I'm pretty sure we both had uh, Colorado winning as our predictions and how could you not just the way they were playing? Uh, they just looked like they would be unstoppable and they pretty much were, I mean, it was still a pretty close series, but, uh, you know, the abs take this one and Durham, obviously Kale McCarr taking home the con Smythe trophy for MVP of the playoffs after putting up 29 points in 20 games. That is just savage, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's just disgusting. I'm almost disappointed he couldn't get one more in that last game because I think, what would he have been, like one of the only D in the last 30 years to put up 30 playoff points? Yeah, one of, you know, one of just a couple in the last 30 years. I mean, uh, it's just remarkable. And, you know, only 20 games played. So uh, this guy's obviously just going to be... a future Norris trophy winner for years to come. Uh, and of course he won it this year as well, Durham. So uh, he's just electric to watch. And I remember you saying back on another pod, he is, he's literally the McDavid of defensemen. And, and you couldn't have said any better. Oh, I can't take all the credit for that. I stole it from his coach when he was at UMass. I cannot remember his name for the life of me having a brain fart right now, but that's who I heard it from. And I've just been, regurgitating that information for about five years now oh fair enough fair enough i mean 29 points in 20 games that's just ridiculous like uh 12 of those being power play points the guy averaged 27 over 27 minutes per game while doing it as well you know shutting down the other team's best players and you know he also led led uh like all avalanche players with 43 blocks so it just just shows that he could get it done in all areas of the ice like whether it's defending whether it's putting up offense uh he's just amazing to watch out there yeah he's definitely a guy like i'd be comfortable paying 
the price of almost any ticket to go see him live. The way he just yeah. shoulder jukes guys from the blue line and then blows down the wall. Little open hip pivot there, and it's like, oh, there goes the rest of the defenders. He's so good at faking shots on the point and then finding angles to get the puck through traffic and just freezing freezing those forwards up. Like he, he just makes it look so, so easy. And then it's like you said, his hands and his feet are just so quick too. He's just so smart with the puck out there. And yeah, it just fits in so well with that Colorado Avalanche team, man. There was a lot of players on that team that impressed. Oh, yeah, it was absolute, like, team effort. I mean, one or two guys can't bring you home the cup, right? We saw that mm-hmm. in Edmonton, unfortunately. They got them as far as they could, but then you saw a complete team effort from everyone in the lineup through Colorado. Just domination. It was. It was domination, man. Like, everybody stepped up for this hockey team. You've seen, especially in the finals, some of those fourth liners stepping up, Darren Helms scoring big goals, like, everybody getting it done for that Colorado team, which makes that victory just so much sweeter for them to celebrate. And man, have you seen some of those celebrations going on? Holy shit. They're getting after it. Aren't they? Man, this has to be like the best celebration since, and all respect to Kucherov's number one bullshit. This has to be the best celebration since the capitals. I was going to say that those OV celebrations and that team, they were, they were in one man, TJ Oshi, all of them. That I was, was just awesome, going to say but... OV and Oshi ran the show there for about six yeah. weeks. <laughs> yeah. And that Stanley cup, I mean, it's going to get pretty dented up this summer. It seems, I mean, I believe they were the first team ever to dent the cup uh, on ice during the celebration that's been recorded so uh pretty funny to see that happen did you see that picture when uh, abe kubel dropped it heading for the team pick and all the faces on everybody everybody smirks and everything that was just that was crazy. gold did you that see what is going to be the playoff gif of the next decade with mcdermott when he picks it up just hammered in the club and just keeps going backwards with it (laughs) you could tell eh? he's like trying to hold his balance and just tips slowly backwards and somebody comes and just grabs the cup immediately and no one even worries about mcdermott i know and the best thing about mcdermott too is like complete hockey player mentality it's all about the cup as he's going back like possibly about yeah. to die there's a table and benches and die, shit behind him die. <laughs> like let's be honest hits his neck wrong people have hey, died like happen. that but instead oh, yeah. of thinking like oh shit i might get hurt here just arms straight up save the cup yeah no that's that's sacrifice that's the ultimate sacrifice that players are willing to make it doesn't just those stop NHL during players. the playoffs no it continues that's that's what makes these players so special right exactly best athletes yeah. in the planet Speaking of Colorado again, though, they scored 85 goals in this playoff run, man, and they only had 55 goals against. That gave them a plus 30 goal differential, Durham. The next closest team, Tampa Bay and Edmonton, tied at plus six. So how crazy is that? That's just stupid. Like, yeah, we're five times better than second place. Yeah, quick like math. that is just, yeah, I don't know how you did that That's so quick, but just impressive, man. And I mean, when you start to look at, you know, the game breakdowns, you look at the scores, especially through all their, their first three rounds, it makes sense. But even in, in the final round against Tampa Bay, I mean, you know, you go into game one, very tight game again. They get off to a, 
a lead. Tampa cl- claws back, uh, you know, ends up getting it tied in the second period to make it 3-3. And then just like about a minute and a half or, or just over that into overtime in game one, you get Andre Burakovsky stepping up and scoring that big goal to take that game one victory. And then Durham, game two, a big 7 nothing blowout from Colorado. Explain that one. Oh, I mean, I didn't see it coming, but I was sitting there uh, the next morning talking with my dad about the game, and I was kind of pissed at myself not making a bet on the Avalanche because I remember an interview with uh, Matt Murley, a former Avs player, talking about – because everyone talks about the uh, elevation and the difference from Denver and other towns, right? Yeah, yeah. He was saying, oh, everyone thinks it's game ones when the elevation bugs the players that come into town in Colorado. It's not. Game one, you don't really feel it. Game two is when you start to feel it. Like, you're just tired when you wake up that day. So, of course, my dumb ass remembers that interview the night or the next day after game two. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a nice little uh, money maker to bet on that one. But I got to be honest, a 7 nothing victory in game two. I didn't see that coming. And... After that game, I think every, no one was giving Tampa Bay Lightning a chance to win this series, eh? No, it was kind of everyone wanted to hedge it a bit. Like, Colorado just looked so good. But then they're also like, hey, um, remember a week and a half ago when they were down 2 nothing to the Rangers? Mm-hmm. So at the same time, like, you can't really count Tampa Bay out. I was actually having a real good chuckle listening to a 32 thoughts podcast with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman. Yep. And this was obviously great podcast. It's fantastic. If you don't listen to that yet, give it a listen. Mm -hmm. But they were talking after the series was over and Jeff, Jeff Merrick goes, honestly, Elliot, I'm still not counting the lightning out of this series. (laughs) (laughs) oh that's classic i mean man it's gruesome i mean okay getting back into this before i get too off topic yeah lightning respond with that big 6-2 victory in game three and just like that you knew that they were back in the series and then could it be an nhl playoff series without a little bit of controversy uh definitely not so, yeah, what do you think of uh, the way Game 4 ended? Avalanche taking it 3-2 in overtime off uh, a pretty beautiful Nazem Kadri goal uh, who returned in this series and uh, was a big part of some of those games, especially early on in the in the series. And then he caps off a, a huge overtime goal. But I know a lot of people out there are saying too many men on the ice. What were your thoughts? I mean... I could see it like there's definitely an argument there, but at the same time, I do think that's a change that happens 20 times every game, right? Like sure. You've got the argument. McKinnon kind of goes a little early there. I think it was McKinnon before getting back to the bench, but uh, honestly, I think it was fine watching it live. I had no idea it had even happened. Yeah. So it's tough I don't to think tell it was a live. big problem. And, and like you said, it probably happens how many times a game? It was just such an elevated thing once Kadri scored on it, right? Then it became the big difference. Um, but you you don't really see, um, I guess, the late change happening there with the forwards. How It's, it's more of the D. Um, so 
again, they weren't necessarily part of that play, but you know, obviously it's going to stir some controversy up when, uh, you know, you could see the footage and see how many people are on the ice at that time. It's one of those close calls, but like hockey is such a fast game. Like how, how can you make those every single time? Right. Um, but back to Kadri's goal. That was beautiful. eh? Oh, that was disgusting. Like when we were watching it, I totally thought he put it over the net. I had no idea it went in until he see Bowen Byram just come fucking flying into the screen, pointing at the net. It's Ed. Yeah, I know. I had no idea. I was so confused watching it too. Um, <laughs> and even watching some of the other reactions afterwards on Instagram and other, you know, other live feeds, like pe- people had no idea until like you said, Bowen Byram just screaming at everyone. He's like, it's in the net. It's in the net. And everyone's just, you know, making their way over to Kadri and, you know, that set them up for a, a big potential game five win at home. But uh, Tampa Bay, man, the resilience, the way they pulled through again, winning another close battle, getting off to that early lead in, uh, in game five and end up pulling through and, and getting a 3-2 a victory to bring it home to game six. Yeah, that was some thrilling stuff, too. I mean, Palat getting that last one there, that was nice play just going back and cross you know, from Hedman. Yeah, it, it was nuts. And I think that game five was uh, like one of the best games I watched all playoff long. Yeah, that was one. Like, honestly, I thought Colorado was going to take it. I thought it was going to yeah, go to OT, Colorado yeah. and OT. I thought that was a storybook ending. You know, three to five mm-hmm. games go to overtime. That's a short series, but a close series. Mm-hmm. And then the last, just like, nah, not today. Yeah, and he, and he came up uh, with some pretty big goals uh, on the latter half of the, these playoffs for Tampa. So um, interesting for a guy who had a pretty quiet year this year, quiet start to playoffs. He really uh, ramped things up, you know, in the latter half of the playoffs. But, uh, you know, it goes to that game six. And then, you know, once again, Tampa get off to a to a thrilling start. You know, Stamos comes in, rips a goal, captain getting it done. But then again, it's just once Colorado kind of gets into the rhythm of their game, they just take games over and they just suffocate the other teams. And and ultimately that's what happened with Tampa in this game six. And they just looked so deflated, especially when that third period came around, they just did not have the push to try to get that game tied up. Yeah. You could really see it like at the start of the second period there where Colorado came out ready, like down a goal going into period two for the cup here you knew like they wanted it and going after that i think it was about two minutes into the second period while watching the game i was like whoever wins this period is gonna win the series i think Mm -hmm. i mean obviously it's a little easy to say if colorado ends up winning it because they only got to win that game but it just had that kind of feel to it no 100 percent, it did and man we just got to give tampa bay lightning so much credit i mean yeah, like so many close games here. I mean, one, two, three, four of the games are are just one goal games. Two of those going to overtime, uh, you know, and the other two games were a blowout for Colorado and a bit of a blowout for Lightning. So uh, it was a very close series, man. It could have easily went to seven games. Wish it did just for that extra game. But uh, I, where do you rank this, man? This is uh, rank these Stanley Cup playoffs for me because they were uh, one of the better ones I've seen as of recent. Like, rank them where? 
just like I don't know, man. One out of ten. Just rank these these Stanley oh, Cup I playoffs. Like, I get you. I get you. Yeah. I thought you meant like rank them in terms of like other years. I was like, shit, I was ready for that. But I say I'd give these playoffs in whole an eight and a half. There was a couple series that were kind of duds. We had five game sevens early. I like that. And we ended with probably the best series in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. And uh, my dumbass was saying rank when I should have been saying rate. Um, so that's where uh, it got a little confusing there. Um, one more quick shout out though, before we move on Durham, how about Arturi Lackanen? What a pickup for Colorado. He was these playoffs. Eh? He actually led all players in the playoffs with four game winning goals. So um, when you're got, getting guys at the uh, trade deadline like that and, and they're producing like that, I mean, what a move by Joe Sackick. Right? Like bringing in a clutch guy like Lekkonen, someone who gets the conference winning goal last year and this year and then gets the Stanley Cup winning goal in the same year. Like how do you not, if you're Joe Sackick, just walk around a few inches taller? Yeah, no kidding. And uh, he's going to be an interesting free agent, especially after those performances, right? Oh, he definitely went up a few mil. There's a couple Colorado guys that are going to make bank this summer. Yeah, yeah. And deservingly so. I mean, uh, it just, man. Oh, yeah. One more thing I was going to add about that is those that Stamkos interview after they lost him and Maroons. Oh, my God. If if you want to feel depressed, go YouTube those ones because uh, they're gut-wrenching to watch. You could just tell how much pain they're in. Just, uh, just It's just gut-wrenching stuff. And then once some of those injuries were getting released from Tampa Bay, it's like, wow. I mean, obviously every team's fighting them, but that is a ton of guys with some serious injuries they're playing through. Yeah, the only one from Tampa that really made me like, holy shit, that's got a fucking sock, was Sorelli. Like, out of the normal realm of hockey injuries was Sorelli's, because it was both shoulders. Yeah. Like, I think he both dislocated shoulders. one like, and separated the other, if not like dislocated How do you even do that? Oh, my fuck. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine what, what he was feeling during those games. No, you'd have, like, just going through everyday life would, you'd have to be jacked up on something because you can't get your arms much higher than collarbone level when that happens. What do you think? Jacked up on Mountain Dew? Oh, exactly, Chip. I'm coming something at you like dude. a spider monkey. <laughs> like a spider monkey. All right, man. Uh, yeah, awesome Stanley Cup Finals. That was that was amazing, dude. It just sucks we have to wait a little bit longer now uh, to, until we get to see some hockey, especially some Kraken hockey back. But uh, you know what? The off season is here and there's always exciting stuff happening during the off season. And uh, let's move on to some of these coaching signings and, uh, you know, a few of these bigger signings that have been happening for players Durham and kicking things off with a little bit of Seattle Kraken news. First things first, Dan Bilesma being named the first head coach of the Coachella Valley Firebirds. What's your thoughts on this one, Durham? I like it. I mean, you bring in a guy who's got an established pedigree. Like, you know, he won a cup with Pittsburgh there as a head coach back in 09. And, you know, he's worked with Detroit for the last little bit. So I think he works well with the young kids too. So that's going to be great for someone that's going to be able to establish a good culture and organization down there for our first year in the AHL, right? 
I think you nailed it there, dude. And, uh, you know, he was an assistant coach with uh, Charlotte Checkers last season. So he got to work pretty closely with, uh, you know, some of these prospects and some of these younger players that Seattle already has in their system. So there's already that kind of familiar, familiarity to start off with. Um, so that's pretty exciting too. And like you said, he he brings a ton of experience. I mean, this is a guy who played 12 years pro hockey, right? Uh, including 429 NHL games between the LA Kings and the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, because that's they were pretty mighty back then. Um, and then, you know, he went into a coaching role, and like you said, won a cup already with, with Pittsburgh. And, you know, I got to see some of that footage, especially uh, what what was it called again between the Flyers and Pittsburgh there? The Battle of Pennsylvania? No, it was... Uh, uh, it was the the footage leading up to the outdoor classic. Oh, uh, 24-7. 24, yeah, it was 24-7. Got to see some of him on there. And, uh, I, you know, I love the way he was talking to the players. He seems like such a well-liked guy, too. So, um, you know, I think that was the perfect fit for them. And, you know, I think we brought up the point where, you know, if things get a little shaky with Hackstall and, uh, you know, that kind of turns into some turmoil, and you're looking to promote from within, Dan Bilesma may be the perfect guy to step into that role, right? I think that actually weighed a bit of a factor in Bilesma. Like you said, you know, he's got the familiarity with our guys already. Now we're going to have him fully in our organization, not kind of sharing him with somebody else, right? He's going to mm-hmm. be running our stuff. He's going to know all of our young guys. And he's, like we've said, got that NHL head coach experience as well. So if we do kind of get into a bit of a rough start, maybe after 20 games or so there, that's when we could see something happen. Yeah, no, I completely agree, especially when uh, we see some of these moves that Ron, Ronnie Francis is going to be making because, you know, word is that he really wants to push for a playoff spot as early as next season. So if that's the case, um, you could, you know he's going to be bringing in some more bodies, especially up front, maybe another big defenseman name. Uh, so it'll be interesting. And, and that's going to ramp up that pressure on Dave Haxtell to really get things done. And, and if he's not able to, I like it, man. Dan, Dan Bilesma can easily step in. He's got, you know, Stanley Cup winning pedigree coaching to him. He's coached with Buffalo. He's assistant coach. You know, he's got tons of experience. So I really like this move, man. This is great. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a great fit going forward. Yeah, moving on, though. Uh, there's been a shit ton of coaching changes going on, Durham. And we're just going to kind of list these ones fairly quickly. We won't dive into, you know, too much detail in all of them. Of course, there's just too many to do. Um, but we could do a little like-dislike with each one. What do you think about that? I like that, but then when we got to the end, you got to give me your favorite. Of all of them? I like yeah. that, too. Perfect. Okay, starting things off, Bruins hiring Jim Montgomery. You like it or dislike? I like it. Okay, reason why? I like seeing the guy get a second chance, you know, after – we don't want to get into it too much, but whatever, you know, everything that happened in Dallas there, unfortunately, it's nice to see him get another opportunity in the league and see if he could write the ship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I'll agree with that. Um, yeah. Not much else to say. They're going to move on 
to the Red Wings hiring Derek Lalonde, who uh, recently served as the assistant coach under John Cooper from 2018 to 2022. So uh, this one really intrigues me because I'm going to be honest, I've never heard of him until the hiring actually happened. But a lot of ties to uh, Derek and Stevie Y here. You want to break us through that? I actually really like this one, and I was going to kind of hope to save my reasons for the end when I named Derek Alon my favorite hire of these nine. I like it, and I will agree. I really, really like it, too. I think that was an underrated move, uh, but yeah, we'll get into that. So moving on, Blackhawks hiring Luke Richardson as their head coach. A little bit of a shocker considering they had their interns step in. Uh, what do you think about this one, like or dislike? This one I'm kind of meh. I don't know if I like or dislike it really. I'm kind of sitting on the fence still. You know, it's nice to see Luke Richardson get his chance to step in. You know, he was he did pretty well there with St. Louis as an assistant in Montreal. It'll be neat, neat to see what he can do with a rebuilding Blackhawks team. Obviously, they're going to have a lot of young kids in there. Yeah, and I think he's a real, like, well-liked coach around the room, too. Uh, I know he started off coaching as an assistant in, uh, I guess it was Binghamton at the time, but then was the head coach of the Belleville Senators, got an opportunity to be assistant coach for the Montreal Canadiens for a couple seasons, and already making a jump to a head coaching position with Chicago. This guy's moving up pretty quickly, um, but he, he is a very well-liked guy, so... Pretty interesting, kind of out of left field a bit. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm neutral about it. I definitely don't mind it. Um, but it's going to be one of those, see how it plays out, see how he proves himself in that position. I agree. Moving on, the Florida Panthers hiring Paul Maurice. Like or dislike? Dislike. Whoa, I, I think... didn't see that coming. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people would. But I don't really get it, like, Florida's thing is they've been great at offense. They haven't been great at defense. I mean, obviously we can look at, they didn't play that tough against Tampa Bay this year. They got spanked and then they bring in a guy who kind of ran Winnipeg in the exact same style. Like sure. You could argue they were a tougher team back in 2018, but it's starting to look like that might be the exception and not the rule. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I, I like Paul Maurice. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. One of those ones that play out. I feel like the Panthers had a lot of different options too. So um, they they end up going with a guy who's who brings probably the the third most experience out of all these coaches on this list. Maybe the second most. I'm not sure. You know, him and Tortorella are going to be uh, pretty close here. But um, yeah, he brings a ton of experience. Obviously, he has a cup with Carolina. He did some great things with Winnipeg, but it was time for them to kind of move on from each other. Um, but this one was a bit of a, yeah, like you said, I don't know if the exact match is there, but it'll be interesting to see if Paul Maurice can take him to that next level. But uh, moving on from that, Durham, the Dallas Stars hiring Pete DeBoer. Like or dislike? I like it. I think DeBoer is a good coach, and I think Dallas kind of just needs a new push there. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty mutual. Yeah, this one's like, eh, for me. Like DeBoer's been, uh, I feel like he's been moving around quite a bit as of as of lately. So 
Uh, he, I think he's got to really prove himself with Dallas, see if he could help them uh, continue in the right direction. Moving on, the Flyers hiring John Tortorella. Like or dislike? Fucking love it. I think we're going to see some broad street bully hockey out of Philadelphia again. And as a Penguins fan, that brings some of like the best games of the year for me to watch the battle of Pennsylvania. there, just Pittsburgh versus Philly. It used to be Sid versus Giroux, but he's not there anymore. So I don't know. We'll beat up on Konechny now if he's still there come September. Oh, he'll, there's rumors, he'll be but... more of a rat. I know there's rumors of him maybe moving, but, uh, Give him a chance under Tortorella is my opinion. I think Tortorella is going to love him. I think so too. Man, Tortorella is going to get under the skin of those Flyers players and they're going to become fucking mean again, dude. I don't know if Provorov's going to like him. He kind of seems to be the guy that doesn't like the tough love, hard criticism though. So something to watch with Provorov already being in the rumors I was going to say, I I think they're going to be looking for any kind of excuse to uh, get rid of Provorov if they can make a deal happen. The one thing that might scare them away from that right now is the health of Ryan Ellis. Exactly. So that's that's the big one for them. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out anyway. But moving on, we're not done yet. The Golden Knights hiring Bruce Cassidy. Um, You know, this guy was obviously a hot commodity the second that people found out Boston wasn't bringing him back. So like or dislike? Like it. I mean, the golden, I don't know if I like it for Cassidy because we all know how Vegas treats their coaches, but Vegas just continues to throw their money around and get good coach after good coach after good coach. So we'll see with hopefully they're healthy this year. I know everyone hates Vegas because they were the expansion team that just automatically did great that year. But if they have a healthy roster, I think they're one of the best teams, if not the best team in the Pacific. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Once they're completely healthy and Bruce Cassidy is a top-notch tier A coach, tier one coach, I should say. So, I mean, like you said, they're bringing in you know, great coach after great coach after great coach, and he's another great coach. And, uh, you know, they're going to, try to be finding that Stanley cup under him. So we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I definitely like the move. Any team that would have hired Cassidy, I would have loved that move. Right. That's a exactly. big upgrade moving on though. The Islanders do some uh, promotion for, from within and uh, name lane Lambert as their head coach, like or dislike. I'm kind of mad on this one again. You know, I don't really know too, too much about lane Lambert. And I don't think the Islanders are any good. So I don't know what he's really going to have to work with there this year. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. And there's some connections with Lane Lambert and uh, Brad Lambert, correct? Yep. Uh, Lane is his uncle. Yeah, and that's interesting considering when you take a look at where the Islanders are picking and where Brad Lambert is ranked. Do you think they take him? I don't know. I mean, it kind of seems like the easy one for everyone to reach for, but it's also Lou Lamarillo making the final call, and I don't think he gives a flying fuck who you're related to. I don't think so either, but uh, they have been building up some prospects out of the Finland area there, so uh, it could happen. It could happen. It'll be interesting. Or it could be one of those situations where they don't want that family connection and they go in a different direction, right, because of that, so... 
uh, interesting to keep an eye on for sure, but I'm pretty mutual on this one as well. I don't really know enough about Lane Lambert and his history to really have a judgment call on it. So it's just one of those things, see how it plays out. But um, the Islanders, maybe a changeup is going to help them produce more offense and get out of that defensive style and, and see if that changes things for them. But I thought what uh, Barry Trotz did with that team and turning them into that defensive style team uh, brought them, you know, made them as best as they could have been. So It'll be interesting to see now with a different uh, coach behind the bench for them. But moving on to our last one here, Durham, the Winnipeg Jets hiring Rick Bonus. Like or dislike? I dislike it. I don't Reasons. know. If, I don't know if it's a great fit with Winnipeg. Like I kind of understand they're they've been going with the more offensive style but they haven't exactly generated a whole lot of offense with it and they're not the greatest defensive team I mean their decor is a little suspect at times Hellebuck kind of gets left out to dry I think despite being a fantastic goaltender so sure bonus will help shore up the defense but he had some world-class scorers in Dallas too and they became a one-line team pretty damn quick so I don't know if he's going to help your offense yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thing. And I'm not sure if it's more of the players because of that and the way Sagan and Jamie Benn almost felt like they fell off the face of the earth at times there. Um, maybe it just wasn't a good fit there. But Rick Bonus, he brings 30 years of, you know, head coaching experience. So, you know, they went with somebody who was very experienced. So it's not always a bad thing. But at the same time, like there were rumors that Bonus would, potentially be retiring so i was shocked that he even got hired as a coach to begin with right especially with like you said the rumors when he stepped down from dallas that he wasn't going to come back i was like okay that sounds like a guy that's done and then you're telling me he's like ah winnipeg looks fun yeah he looks like a bit of a project for him and uh you know what we'll see how it plays out it'll be interesting again to just see how it all plays out but yeah those are all the coaching moves man so many happening this summer all right, who's your favorite out of them? Oh, it's a tough one to pick. I would say, <laughs> I almost want to say Tortorella to the Flyers because I love the fit so much. So I'm going to go with that. That was my number two. I'm going with Lalonde, though, just because I saw a few clips from some coaches' conferences. I mean, I know how stupid that sounds. I saw a couple clips, so I know all about him now. But it was a few <laughs> developmental clips from his time in Tampa Bay obviously where he's talking about the little details about how they brought Kucherov and up and created like some extra space for him and the little details and how they taught or headman how to defend a bit better at the NHL level and I'm like so the guy who's been like the skill guy the assistant coach the one making them focus on these small details for Victor Hedman is now going to be teaching Moritz Sider and Simon Edvinson, these same things like that yeah. could be the best fit. I, and you know, how well does Eisenman know Derek Lalonde as well? So he knows exactly what he's getting as a head coach now. Um, yeah, I think this is an underrated move and one that is really, really going to speed up things in Detroit and probably, you know, I see this guy coaching Detroit for a long time to come. Me too. Yeah, love this move. Came out of left field. Absolutely love it. 
the Iser plan is coming together, man. Everything Steve Eiserman does just turns to gold, man. Everything he touches. So, um, yeah, I love this one, man. This is a great one. But uh, Durham, going to move on here to a couple big signings that have happened and even a trade, too, that has recently happened. So starting things off with uh, Brock Besser signing a three-year deal at an average annual value of $6.65 million. Give me your thoughts on this one. I think it's a fair deal for both sides. I mean, obviously, with the rumors, Vancouver's looking to move money. I think that becomes a more tradable contract especially when his qualifying offer was like seven and a half million or something like that i think right yeah i think it was uh, above what he signed for for sure so that becomes a very attractive three-year deal to uh try to trade for if that's still something that's on the books do you think he stays still on the team or do you think this is a you know a sign and a potential trade scenario i don't know i I think there's been too much smoke around Brock Besser being traded from Vancouver for it to just not happen anymore. I think Rutherford and company's looking to shake a lot up there and he's going to be one of the pieces that gets moved out. Yeah, I could see it happening still. It it seems weird even on a three-year deal, but it could definitely happen. That's a pretty attractive price to be paying Brock Besser. But I think, uh, what would you rather have him at 6.65 or, or Connor Garland at like 4.9 Besser. Yeah, really? Okay. I think it's pretty close. I think it's pretty close. Um, but I think Besser can still turn out to be that better player, obviously. Yeah. I think he's a better natural goal scorer. And I think he can impact the game a little more physically than Garland can. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Garland's what, four foot three or something? Maybe three and a half. Yeah, something like that. But, uh, you know, can't knock all the small guys. Some of them just play with all the heart in the world. So, um, but yeah, so great deal for Besser. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. New, moving on, though, a big, big seven year deal for Nick Paul, who ends up staying with uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning after, you know, getting traded there from the Ottawa Senators at the deadline and, uh, you know, getting in an average annual value of 3.15 million. Holy shit. This is a long deal for a guy who's a middle six to bottom six type of player, right? Yeah. But it kind of seems like the more I thought about it, like I do agree it's way too fucking long, but the more I thought about it, the more it's like textbook Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. We're going to sign some middle six forward second pair defenseman to almost a max term contract just to keep the cap hit down. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, Paul bet on himself. I believe there was an offer from Ottawa before he got traded um, for a four year deal at, I think 2.75 million. So, um, so he bet on himself ends up getting traded and cashes in pretty pretty big man and uh you know credit to him he had some pretty big moments in the playoffs looked really good was also a guy playing through injury as well so um he obviously loved the team and and loved everything about tampa bay and uh was happy with a seven-year deal and pretty similar to like a brandon tanev contract hey eh? yeah tanev killorn johnson palat i think they all kind of I mean, obviously Johnson and Palat got a couple mil more, but they were, mm-hmm. I think, also six-year term. Yeah, yeah, sign them for, for the term, get the average annual down, 
and it makes sense for Tampa. And Nick Paul's a guy who could play up and down the lineup. He, he's shown that time and time again, and a very, very good penalty killer as well, and just a big body presence, skates hard, competes hard. So I, I actually do like it quite a bit. I like this deal. I like it for Tampa Bay just because I think for the first four years of it, that's your competing window. And then the mm. last three years, it's still a tradable deal. Exactly. And there's no stipulations put on the uh, the deal for any any team trade lists or anything like that. So uh, it makes sense for them. And then uh, Durham, a big trade happening already. And, uh, you know, to kick things off with trade season, we're seeing Kevin Fiala getting traded from, uh, from the Minnesota Wild to L.A., for a 2023 first round pick and prospect Brock Faber. And then he immediately signs a big seven year, 7.875 average annual contract for a total value of 55 million, uh, 55.125 mil to be exact. Give me your thoughts on this, the trade, the contract. Uh, what does this mean for LA? Uh, it means the rebuild's over in LA. You don't make a trade for a guy like Kevin Fiala just to be like, mm, we're, we're, we're going to try and compete for playoffs next year. You are expecting to be a playoff team after making that acquisition. I think it's a great trade. The contract is a little, little sus for me. You're obviously hoping that this wasn't just a one-year wonder hit. But- yeah, like his last three seasons have been pretty good. Obviously, this season was outstanding, you know, 83 points or whatever it was, right? Like, he, like he went off. Um, and maybe it was like 86 points. I'm off a little bit there. But, um, yeah, he, you are betting big on those last couple seasons and, and what he's done. The one thing that was kind of scaring me is he, he the last two seasons at the playoffs for Kevin Fiala, he hasn't really shown up. He hasn't put up good numbers in those playoffs even though it was just a, you know, a couple first rounds basically, but um, you know, they're betting big on him seven years, uh, just, just under 8 million per season. And you're right. Um, you know, the rebuild is over. I mean, they picked up Victor Arvidsson last season. So now they pick up another, you know, highly skilled first line winger here uh, to build around their top six is looking pretty deadly right now. And they got some really good prospects still coming up the pipeline I think they got to tackle things on their D end now and uh and LA is going to be right there back competing well when they get Brent Clark in there I think he's a possibility to make the team this year I think that's true oh yeah big time that's a good prospect to to add in there as well but uh yeah maybe a little bit more depth on that back end for LA but uh you know, 2023 first rounder and then prospect Brock Faber. What's that going to bring to Minnesota? It's going to bring some hard nosed D that we were funny enough just saying LA might need some more D on their back end. But they're going to bring a home kid back to Minnesota there. I think he was the captain of the Minnesota college team, University of Minnesota yep. there. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. And I mean, when Garen finds a guy he wants, he knows what to get and brings him in, right? He's a good team builder, I think. So he's finding another piece of the puzzle here to add on to the back end and probably in the next year or two could make an impact for Minnesota. So a first rounder and a prospect for Fialo, that kind of sets the sets the market up a bit. I mean, obviously it was a tough situation for Bill Garen to get into because there really wasn't the money there for uh, for Minnesota to be able to to sign Kevin Fiala, but uh, 
you know, rate this return. What do you, do you think it was a pretty good return? Do you think uh, there's a little bit more they could have got, or do you think with circumstances, they got a pretty good package? I think you got a good enough package. I'll give it a B plus. I mean, you got a prospect that is going to play and you picked up a top 20 pick in this year's draft for a guy that one way or another was not going to play another game for you. Kraken fans, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet of up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Right now, those Seattle Marners are red hot, and they're going to be taking on the Padres this Monday and Tuesday. That's July 4th and 5th, and there might be some pretty nice bets to take a look at there, especially on that July 5th when Logan Gilbert is pitching for the Mariners. So keep an eye on some of that. That one is really exciting me. But best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So Kraken fans, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right, with promo code THPN, you can make that bet only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, welcome back to the Keeping Up with the Krakens podcast. And Durham, like we were saying earlier in the pod, the draft is just around the corner, less than a week away. And Seattle is going to have one hell of a draft, aren't they? Oh, they've got so many picks and high picks, too. I'm excited. I am super stoked to watch this draft. I'm uh, even going to try to uh, train shifts at work just so I can get off early enough to try to watch this whole first round because, oh my God, I love it. It's it's one of the funnest times of the year. And Seattle, they're going to be, you know, they have a lot of picks here and we have a bit of a breakdown, a little prediction on uh, what's going to be happening with their picks here. And of course, they got the fourth overall then they have four second rounders at 35 overall, 49, 58, 61, and then one third rounder at 68, three fourth rounders at 100, 117th, and 123rd overall, and then, of course, one fifth, one sixth, and one seventh round pick. Um, Durham, what's going to happen with pick number four overall? Who are Seattle taking with that pick? I think they're taking right-handed defenseman Simon Nemec. Awesome. And why are they picking Simon Nemec? I think he is going to be the guy that is going to run our decor for the next 15 years. You know, maybe not next year. Let's give him a year, possibly two. Get him over to North America, play him in the A a little bit. But this is an offensive-minded great skating defenseman and he's going to be able to transition the puck from the back end to our forwards 
Yeah, I think this is the pick to go to, especially if the first three picks play out uh, the way we all kind of expect with Wright, Slavkovsky, and Cooley going one, two, three. Uh, right now, you're picking best player available and a right-handed defenseman stud ranked this high. How can you go wrong with this pick? I don't think you can. I don't think you can either. And that's why I still kind of am open to the idea of David Juracek because, I, you know, I think it would be a great pick too, but I think Nemec right now is ahead of him. And I think that's fair to say. Like you said, so much offensive talent, 26 points in 39 games in the Slovakian a pro men's uh, league. So their top league there and had 17 points in 19 playoff games for them too. So uh, the kid can just wheel around probably one of the best skaters in the whole draft. Um, and, and you just, I don't think they can go wrong here. You got your stud defenseman after, after drafting, of course, your franchise centerman last draft. So uh, in Matty Beneers. So I, I, I just think this is a perfect fit too, uh, for, uh, you know, what Seattle can build. I agree. And this guy doesn't really rank outside of the top five in like any rankings either. Like elite prospects has him at six and, uh, this draft prospects hockey has him at six. But other than that, it's, it's, uh, between five, four, three, like across all ranks. So, I mean, and, and for good reason, right? This guy's a stud. He, look at his highlights, the way he moves the puck, his hockey sense. This is a home run pick for Seattle. Yeah, you really can't argue with that at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, Durham, we have a bit of a prediction. Of course, their next few picks are second rounders, but uh, I think we've determined that they're not going to pick all four of those second round picks, and they might potentially be making some big moves. So you want to talk us through what those potential big moves would be with some of those second round picks? Well, we may have a trade to announce. <laughs> That's uh, we hired Gary Bettman to step up and uh, go up to the podium. But yeah, take it off. Take Honestly, it disappointed nobody booed him. But we got two scenarios for our Kraken fans here, and they're both trade ups into the first round. Scenario number one here. We're going to trade picks number 35, 58, and 123 to the Toronto Maple Leafs for pick number 25. And we're going to draft Rutger McGrory. Now, if that doesn't pan out and Toronto says, nah, we're going to keep this or they got a better offer from someone else, well, then, okay, we're going to trade pick 35 and 58 to Edmonton for number 29, and we're going to take Reed Schaefer. Sweet. So those are the two scenarios that we see potentially playing out. And why do you think this is likely to happen or what we think is likely to happen? What are the biggest reasons here? Well, like you said, four picks in the second round there. And I think it would, I know they don't have a whole lot of prospects, but they've got plenty of picks throughout the whole draft. So I don't think it makes sense to make all four of these selections. So package two of them, try and move up. Use another later pick if you have to, like we did here for the Toronto deal. And the reason we targeted Toronto and Edmonton were combined, those teams only have seven picks. Toronto's only got three. They've got a first, a third, and a seventh. And then Edmonton has a first, and then a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. So this gives these both of these teams a couple more cracks at finding another player in the draft, whereas you know Toronto only had three shots. 
now they'll have four or five, sorry, if they take that trade. I think it's just smart business for everyone involved. Yeah, it's a lot of moves that make a, a lot of sense. And so let's talk about uh, the first scenario here. Uh, right winger Rutger McGrory playing for the U.S. national team development program. Put up some really good numbers. Your power forward style player. Why would this be such a good fit? I think he would fit and blend well with the talent guys that we have up front. You know, Beneers is kind of a gritty but very skilled player. McCann and Everly are both more skilled guys. You know, obviously Ever's a little bit older. He may not be exactly with the Kraken when McGrory comes around in a few years, but time will tell there. And I think they're just, you know, the power forward blend. You have to throw a couple in there and they've got to be able to have skill as well. Like we just saw what Nachushkin did for Colorado all playoffs and especially in the finals, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think every team needs a good skilled power forward. And yeah, this guy's put up some pretty sick numbers this year. I mean, for like we said, the uh, the development team there for the states, sixty nine points, nice in fifty four games. And then when uh, when he was playing in the USHL for for the 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 junior team there for the states, thirty three points in twenty five games, and he captained the under eighteen team for for the US as well, put up nine points in uh, six games eight of those being goals durham plus he had 27 penalty minutes this guy gets it done all around the ice and a lot of scouts talk about how good his hands are too so you get a good mix of skill and size and grit and kind of the whole package with rudger mcgrordy and i think this could be a really really great pick to make for the seattle kraken yeah i think he'd be great you know he adds a bit like you said the hands goal scoring touch like he's obviously a goal scorer just if you yeah. can get his let's knock on him is his skating so if we could get the skating up to an nhl average level then we've probably got a good top six forward on our hands here i agree and uh you know he is listed as a center slash right wing so there is a bit of versatility there i i i don't know if i see him as a centerman uh at that nhl level i think he could be a pretty uh pretty good like power forward right wing type of player uh or or left wing potentially even so um we'll see how that plays out but i think this could be the selection they make and then of course scenario two uh who do they have taken again reed schaefer reed schaefer who's out of uh seattle correct yep seattle in the whl there Seattle in the WHL. So that makes it interesting too. I mean, this is another big guy, 6'3", 215 pounds, and another guy who puts up a lot of goals too. So almost a very similar type of player as Rudger McGrory. Maybe just a step down depending on how or where you have these guys ranked, of course. But uh, almost the exact same type of player. But then you make that connection with uh, Seattle in the WHL and, and you start to produce you know, out of some of these players. Uh, out of Seattle, which I think is something that Ronnie Francis is going to be targeting. I think it would be great for the fans to have someone local that could become like not local born, but like local player who could just step into the NHL team and you've got him close to home. So you could go watch him a little bit cheaper, better for the fans. And like you said, just kind of fits the mold of what we'd be looking for in that second pick there, power forward. I think he's possibly a bit better skater than McGrordy is right now. But like you said, the talent level is just a little bit below. 
So that's why he's ranked a bit lower there. Yeah. Yep. Agree. And uh, I forgot to add with uh, McGrory there, uh, he's a commit to the university of Michigan. So uh, pretty interesting there as well. That's a, that's a very great program. So that's going to, obviously that could bump his, you know, his potential to go a bit higher in the draft. Well, Seattle's done well with uh, forwards from Michigan so far. Exactly. So you're, you're sending them to a program you're very familiar with. So that could, that could really make sense for Seattle to try to trade up, grab another uh, top forward because uh, it, it, yeah, it just seems like the right move to do. So that would leave us with uh, our next pick, which would be pick number 49 in the draft, another second rounder. And we have Seattle taking centerman David Goyete out of the Sudbury of the OHL. So uh, why do you think this could be a good fit? I think this is a real good boom bust pick. You know, a guy who's got a lot of skill, a lot of speed. He's a little bit undersized. You know, I think he, he measured at cent- the uh, central scouting combine as about five, nine, three quarter, maybe five, 10. So that's kind of weighing against him a little bit. Sudbury also wasn't that great of a team, but he really caught on towards the end of the year. And when you play him in a top six role and let him use his speed and skill to just attack the other team offensively, I think that's when he's at his best. So if he gets into that position with Seattle down the road, you could have a real good pick here. Yeah, and I think the intriguing thing with him is he seems to be a bit of a late bloomer in the sense that uh, like, he, he just turned 18 back in March. But uh, he was a rookie in the OHL this year and ended up putting up 73 points in 66 games, 33 goals, 40 assists. So he had a very, very solid, solid year on a pretty bad Sudbury Wolves team. And, you know, he ended up uh, being rookie, you know, most goals by a rookie, most points by a rookie in the whole OHL. So uh, somebody who could be a bit of a late bloomer, but could end up being a, a nice pickup. So like you said, a boomer bust type of, player for sure but uh you know you're stockpiling another guy in that centerman position which is always good to do that's premium position to stock up on exactly i mean you can always slide them over to the wing but it's so much harder to make a winger a centerman exactly you make a really good point there so if we take him at uh at 49 overall we assume that number 58 is traded so then that leaves us with our next pick at number 61, just uh, at the tail end of the second round. That was the Florida pick. So, um, and, and we got that from Calgary. So it's just to, just to kind of make it all make sense there. But uh, we think they could be either trading this pick for a roster player right now. But if not, Durham, we have them taking left winger Dylan James out of the Sioux City of the USHL. Give us your breakdown of this guy. Well, with Dylan James, you're going to get, again, like we're going for, we're kind of targeting a specific thing here with our forwards. You know, not the biggest with the last couple picks. We went for size and speed, size and power with McGroarty and Schaefer earlier. Now with Goyette and James here, we're kind of targeting a little bit smaller, speedier skill guys, right? Mm-hmm. You know yeah, no, like? no, a hundred percent agree. Yeah, go on. Yeah, got a guy who was point a game here with Sioux City, right? Like, they're a good team in the USHL. Just under half a goal a game. Someone you're going to look for to be able to produce a little bit offensively, maybe in your middle six down the line. Yep, and this guy was named Rookie of the Year as well in the USHL. Um, They went on to win the Clark Cup, too, which is, uh, you know, 
the best team in the USHL. And he was named obviously to the all rookie team. So a lot of accolades for him this season. And he is a, he is a university of North Dakota commit, a very, very great program. Who's been pumping out a lot of great prospects as of recently. So um, you can kind of bet that he's going to go into that situation, be under some really good coaches there and, and a great program and have a chance to keep, continue to develop his game. Uh, so I really like, Dylan James here, and I'm just not exactly sure if he's going to be available, but if he is, I think this is the guy you got to go with. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's really going to be available there yet either, but I do agree with you. That's who we got to take. Yeah, I, I would love if this pick happened, um, but again, only time will tell. But uh, that would move on to our next pick at 68 overall, Durham, uh, a third rounder, and I think it's time to take another goalie for this organization. What do you say? I think it's the right track. Perfect. So that means the Seattle Kraken, with their third round pick, are going to take Finnish goalie Topias Leinanen. And this guy has got the size that you're looking for in a goalie, especially these days. 6'5", 234 pounds, which is Pretty big for a goalie, catches left, and, uh, you know, 18 years old. This is the second-ranked goalie um, in the draft as of right now. Um, he's ranked first by NHL Central Scouting for European goalies, of course. Um, but, you know, had some decent numbers last season playing with uh, the, the Finnish Junior League, uh, playing for JYP in the under-20. You know, 21 games played a 2.28 goals against with a 9.16 save percentage, two shutouts, and only a 9-10-0 win-loss record there. Um, So what do you think about this one? Yeah, this guy's definitely going to be a project pick, right? Like, he's clearly got the NHL toolkit size, moves well side-to-side as well, you know, so he shows athleticism. He makes some tough saves, but... The thing that I'm reading is going to be kind of the trouble for him is consistency. You know, he'll go, it was uh, funny enough, going back to uh, my old man in the Leafs, he would say that was always their problem. Every goalie they brought in would be okay, but they'd let in the worst goal you've ever seen. They'd make saves that they shouldn't save, and they'd let in the ones that they should. So if apparently that seems to be Leinenden's issue is kind of, you know, consistency letting in the odd soft goal here and there and just bad stretches so i kind of think you maybe get him in you know this could be one of those things you get him into a sports psychologist kind of lock down the issue get him locked in and focus game to game this could end up being a great pick yeah i agree and uh it's it's a pretty weak draft uh when it comes to goalies so you know taking a chance on one of these higher ranked goalies might be the way to go um and you know the Kraken have to stockpile in every position and they only took the one last year. So I, I am very confident they're going to be taking at least one goaltender in this draft. So uh, that's why we have them targeting, um, targeting this guy. So, uh, so yeah, that makes sense to us. Moving on though. Exactly. Moving on to, uh, we're going to do two more here uh, to finish off the, the last two fourth round picks. Um, that we're going to have considering one was traded earlier that we're going to continue to imagine that happens. And that's a pick number 100 overall in the fourth round. We have the 
We have the Seattle Kraken picking Lucas Edmonds out of the Kingston of OHL. Uh, give us your thought on this one. Well, a bit of a late bloomer, right? You know, re-entry player, guy who probably, if they do draft him, you're probably going to draft and sign immediately to get him into your into the pro ranks, get him into the AHL there. Guy who kind of found his way this year with Shane Wright as his centerman and kind of took off a bit there and, you know, like I said, a late bloomer. So we'll see if he's able to step into the pro ranks right away or if he's going to have a bit of sometimes the later guys, you know, they have that bit of a East coast. So yeah. we'll see if he's going to follow that path or kind of go more Brett Leeson like he did with Washington a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be again, one of those boomer bus picks, but when you have multiple draft picks in these positions i think you gotta you know you gotta take some of those high risk high rewards and i think he fits that scenario perfectly and i love the point you made about you know this is an overager so he's already 21 years old it's pretty rare you're going to draft 21 year olds especially in the fourth round but seem to be some people ranking him around this area so that's why we plugged him in i mean 113 points in 68 games in the ohl this year that's still pretty damn good and you're gonna need to get more bodies uh playing for coachella valley firebirds and this is a guy who could step right into that situation and you know maybe be a top nine forward right off the bat for that team and and help stockpile some of those players already so uh not too bad of an idea for the saddle crack and i think this could be a great fit for them and then that'll move on to uh our last pick we're gonna give here at 117th overall durham and that's george fagaras who actually played for North York out of the Ontario Junior Hockey League. So not uh, not quite the OHL, not quite the, the top um, junior league, but just a small step. It's basically Tier 2 Junior A is what the OJHL is. And uh, we have them taking this big, you know, big body defenseman here. Break us down with this one. Well, like you said, you got a big body D here. He's able to skate pretty well. He jumps into the rush. He's good offensively. You know, he was up near the top of his team with the North York Rangers this year for points. As a defenseman, 48 points in 52 games. So that's kind of what you're looking for if you want a guy to bring offense from the blue line there. Committed to Cornell University, too. So it's going to be interesting to see. Like, obviously, a bit of a prospect or project prospect here. Yeah, I agree. This one's a definitely a project type of player for sure. Um, you know, we continue the trend though. Uh, again, OJHL rookie of the year and OJHL top prospect award. So this is a guy who has a bit of pedigree and, you know, he chose to play in this league. So he had the option to move on to the NCAA. That's obviously the route he wants to go. Of course, if you, you play in the OHL, you can't move on and play in the NCAA. So, uh, this guy has aspirations and, and he obviously knows that, you know, he wants to take those few more years to help grow his game and, and hopefully be able to play pro hockey one day. So, you know, he obviously seems to have things figured out, bit of a project, but people have him, you know, around that 100 to 130th, 140th area. So this could easily be a, another defenseman, another right shot defenseman too, who, who the Seattle Kraken can, uh, can potentially pick in this area can never have too many good trade assets 
Exactly. And uh, that kind of wraps up the picks that we're going to predict for the Seattle Kraken at this year's NHL draft. And man, I'm just so pumped. Is there anything you're, you're looking forward to the most? Pittsburgh making a first round pick for the second time in like 11 million years. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm looking forward to Gary Bettman stepping up and you, know, you want to do the impression for us again? We have a trade to announce. <laughs> I fucking love those moments. So hopefully there's at least a few of them in that first round because they're always pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, if if I'd say if Seattle ends up doing something similar to what we have laid out here, it's going to be a very successful draft and they're, they're going to continue to stockpile those prospects because they definitely need to. And like we said, if they trade a second round pick for a, a roster spot right now, they could fill in the actual team. They, they make a trade to move up in the draft. They still have plenty of selections to make with the remaining picks to continue to stockpile with. So that's why we have those predictions in place. So, you know, less than a week from now, we'll find out what actually happens, man. I'm pretty excited. I know. I'm so amped up. I am too, man. But uh, uh, one final thing before we end this podcast off, Durham, it is time to toss you into the deep end. So Durham free agency, like we said, it's right around the corner. Um, which of the long list of free agents will be throwing on that Kraken sweater when it comes to this October? Well, you know, there's a couple here that I think are going to be Kraken players come this October. Number one, Klingberg. I think we're bringing in the right-handed offensive defenseman this summer, and he's going to be the guy to run our power play from the back end. And then the other one, I think it's going to be one of either Raquel or Burakovsky. Because I think Francis has an interview where he said he wants to bring in some top six forwards. And if you kind of look at the roster, there's really only one spot open in the top six, unless you're going to be moving guys down. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, man. I think they got a target. I mean, Klingberg is obviously that big target on the right uh, right shot defenseman list. If they're not able to get him, maybe there's a situation where a Tyson Berry trade could be going down. Um, I know that might be in the rumor mill with Edmonton potentially, but I think the big target is John Klingberg, and uh, Seattle's going to have the money to throw at some of these guys. And, you know, Things change on a day-to-day basis, but it is sounding like Philip Forsberg may not be available and he might actually sign with Nashville. The Johnny Gaudreau one, that seems to be bouncing back and forth. It sounds like Calgary is going to throw a very huge contract, maybe in the 9.5 average annual range. So he might not be a guy who's available either. So you got to start to look at some of these other guys on the free agent list. And, And a guy like Burakovsky, I think, makes a ton of sense. Raquel would make a ton of sense too. They're, they're in that good age range as well. So um, I really like those names. So if, if you're not able to throw a bunch of money at a guy like Philip Forsberg in hopes that he signs, then I think these names are, are some of the guys that you have to be targeting. I think so too. I think they're going to be great fits. Mm-hmm. So it leads me to my next question here. Who, uh, which free agent will get the biggest payday when it comes to, uh, you know, july 14th and on 
Well, it's interesting because you just said his name. I think Johnny Goudreau is going to get paid out the ass by somebody. I think that someone's going to be Philadelphia. Yeah, I there is a lot of rumors about it, man. It's going to be interesting, but he is going to get over $9 million a year, no doubt, in my mind. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to get paid. And I don't yeah. think it's going to be in Calgary. I heard a rumor hey. that Calgary offered him I think seven by nine a couple weeks ago and Goudreau's camp basically said, yeah, we'll get back to you on that. And they have not got back to them on that. Yeah. That's a bit of a low ball offer in my opinion. You never know though. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but I agree. I think Johnny Goudreau is going to bring in the biggest contract and it's going to be probably pushing 90 million. Something like that. Maybe, I don't know, 80 million? What do you think? Mil, that's, or not 90 there's million. No probably like way. 80. Yeah, maybe 80. Sorry, I was doing some math wrong in my head there. That's almost 11 and a half a year. Much. If he goes seven. I don't think so. I don't know. I think some idiot team would give him 10. Yeah, I, I think, think it's going to be just shy of 80. Just shy of 80 million. That's what I think is going to happen. I'll I'm go say 78 mil. Are we going to do prices right? Closest without going over? Okay. Yeah, sure. All right. You're going 78 mil. Yeah. I'll go 75.5. Okay. Perfect. I like it. All right. We'll throw a little uh, Betsy's on that one. I'm game. All right, last question for you, Dur, before we wrap this thing up. Uh, will JVR, that's James Van Riemsdyk, will he be a Seattle Kraken in a month from now? I want to say yes, but I think it depends on what happens in a week and a half for free agency. Because we obviously have better ways to spend $7 million than on James Van Riemsdyk. But time. if the or if Philadelphia is going to give us like their first this year to take that seven million dollars so that they can give Johnny Goudreau eleven million, then, then you might have to weigh that, and then just buy out JVR potentially. I don't know. Do you play him on the team? It's it's one of those tough ones, right? Um, pull a Carolina. Yeah, pull a Carolina move with the, what they did with uh, Marlow. Yeah. Yeah, it could, it could very well happen, but there is some rumors swirling around. JVR could be a potential Seattle Kraken, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that one. But, dude, oh, my God, let's wrap this thing up. I am just so excited for this next couple weeks here, man. I, I love the draft day. I love all the hype around it and all the rumors. And then, yeah, free agency is going to be a blast too, man. The Seattle Kraken have so much money that they could um, – they could spend on players. It's just going to be about who's available when that time comes and, you know, who's going to accept a deal to come play in the, you know, for the newest franchise in the NHL. So pretty excited, man. How about you? I'm just jacked up. Like that's all I've been thinking about since the cup final ended. Yeah. I think that's been on everyone's mind, man. So I, I can't wait till next podcast. We get to review some of it, see how accurate we were with, with our uh, NHL draft predictions for Seattle. 
and maybe some of the predictions for who they could be targeting in free agency as well, man. So uh, I think it's time to get the puck out of here, Durham. Thanks everyone for tuning into episode 36. Join us in two weeks as we break down Seattle's picks and the NHL draft, and we'll be rating some of those moves and, you know, hopefully some of those that are being made in free agency for the Kraken. So have a great couple of weeks, everyone, and peace out, Kraken Nation.